Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. So glad you're here with us. My name is Kyle. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. I haven't had a chance to meet you. I'd love to get to do that at some point this morning. Grab me afterwards. would love to, to get to know you a little bit. And just a little context for uh, what we're doing here this morning. If you've been with us, uh, we've spent a significant amount of time walking through the, the letter of 1 Peter in the New Testament. And uh, God's really been some, revealing some pretty major things in the life of our church and in our lives as individuals about suffering and about identity and about uh, our role in what God is doing uh, in, this, in this place, uh, living as exiles in the world in which we live, but also um, recognizing that we have a role to play in bringing God's kingdom to this, to this earth. And uh, one of the major concepts that has come up a lot as we've been talking that seems so foreign and probably some of us are still kind of wrestling with like, what does this actually mean for us? But Peter refers to us as followers of Jesus as priests. We're, we're a part of this priestly kingdom that God has established here. And we have all kinds of baggage when we think of that term, I'm sure every single one of us. But the reality is, like very simply put, like we no longer need a human advocate between us and God. Uh, that because of what Jesus has done in his death and his resurrection, he has promised us his spirit. And when his spirit lives in us, when we give our life over to him, that we have access to God, we can hear from him, he can lead our steps. And so we actually have a, a really significant role to play because that is true, um, that we have this, this role of bringing, reflecting God to people and helping people uh, understand and connect back with God. And so if that's true of us, I mean, that has a lot to say about how we live our lives and how we interact with each other, how we interact with people who don't know Jesus yet. And uh, what we decided to do after we finished that letter is take a few weeks in this kind of, I've been thinking of it as like a bonus series uh, off, off the tail end of First Peter, where we're talking practicals. Like, okay, great, we're priests, but what, what does that mean? How does that actually look in my life, Right. And so if you remember a few weeks ago, if you were here, uh, our, our leadership team talked through um, some of the, the, the things that we believe need to be present in our life as a, as a church family as we continue to pursue Jesus and try to embrace this calling. Last week, Travis talked a little bit about some of the giftings that God has given the church, and we are the church as we walk this out. Um, and today and next week, we're going to get to hear some real-time, real-life examples of people who said, I want this to be true of my life, and so I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it where I am, in the situations I find myself, and I'm going to go for it because uh, God, has, God has said, I want you to do this, and, and I've been obedient to it. And so today we have uh, a couple students from our student ministry, Dylan and Joanna, and both of them have looked at their world and looked at their life and their areas of influence, and because of their desire to know Jesus, to hear him, um, they've both come to the conclusion like, hey, we have some significant things that we need to do in these spaces that we inhabit um, with the influence that we have. And in, in a very real way, they're living out their like priestly calling in the world that they live. And we just wanted to uh, have them kind of share some of their story, um, how God has worked that out in their life, 
Um, and then what they're doing as an encouragement to us as a church, as, as even maybe a challenge to us, as we continue to um, wrap our heads around the idea of like what God has called us to do, yeah, as a church, as a family, but also maybe as individuals in the, or, as, or in smaller groups even in the places that we go and spend a lot of time in that are outside of these four walls or this campus, which is where all the really good stuff happens. Not all the really good stuff. A lot of the really good stuff can happen if we're, if we're uh, looking at it that way. So I kind of introduced them, but what we'll do is we'll have them kind of share a little bit about the specific area and kind of um, focus that, that God has put on their hearts. And uh, then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how that all came to be and, and how it's going. So we'll start over there with Dylan. What uh, specifically and intentionally, how are you living out like your calling in the world in which you live right now? Good morning. Um, once again, I am a senior in high school, um, Gregory High School. Um, and out of the various ways I've tried to pursue discipleship in my life, I feel that God's uh, most prominently placed um, school in my heart. Um, so I've attempted to disciple my friends. Um, I've been going to school with a lot of these people um, for three years now, um, going on four um, and then some of them, uh, even more than that, since uh, even sixth grade even. Um, so I feel like that relationship, those relationships that I form um, at school um, are gifts from God, ways that I can be intentional. Um, then also, um, I started up a club with someone else um, that I know, uh, a believer. Um, we call it the Disciple Making Movement. Um, it's a club that's focused on both uh, unity of Christians at school, um, but we both uh, strongly felt that God wanted it to be more than just a place Christians can come hang out. Um, so we attempt to coach and encourage each other um, and learn how to disciple people at school, how, how to be people defined by love, defined uh, by God's calling on our lives. Um, so through that club and through discipleship with my friends, um, I've come to um, just understand the importance of discipleship. Um, and... I think school for me is probably the most practical of places. Um, there's so many people, more than I could even um, come to know, uh, but I know that God can do incredible things there uh, when I say yes. Awesome. So, I mean, Dylan looks at his life and he looks at where he literally is forced to spend a lot of his time right now, and he recognizes, hey, there's a lot of opportunity here. And, you know, years and years of youth ministry were always like, hey, your school is like a, a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity. And most of the time they're like, yeah, 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 but I got things to do, right? Um, but this is really a, an awesome thing that, that Dylan and uh, some of his friends are pursuing. And I just want to draw attention to one point of like what Dylan is doing um, and his group of friends are doing is it's not just a place to be comforted. It's not just a place to hide away. There's, a, there's an action, a very uh, intentional action out of this, uh, that they as a group can go out to make disciples, to show the love of Jesus to people. And that's, that's their focal point, which I think is an important thing to, to just draw attention to. Joanna, where in your life are you being, uh, specifically and intentionally, uh, trying to live out like your calling? So I am a junior in high school, but I've been homeschooled my whole life and have been taking MJC courses for a couple of years. This semester is the first time that I took them on campus, and it was just a really different experience for me, both from the just completely new way of learning to seeing how people outside of like my little bubble of church and charter school and gymnastics, um, 
how they see the world. And so I've just really felt like God's told me that that's my mission field and that's where I'm supposed to be um, being his light to other people. Awesome. So, Joanna, tell me a little bit, uh, like, what that looks like then, like, day to day as you go on to MJC. So, Dylan kind of started this club, and that was one, like, pretty practical action, action step he had. But what does that kind of look like for you as you show up to MJC, go to your classes, stuff like that? Uh, for me, it just looks like being available and listening to people and listening to God, um, being ready for him to say, like, you should go talk to that person, you should go pray for that person, and just, even if I don't hear something specific, being willing to have conversations with people instead of just shutting everything out, putting my headphones in, and waiting for class to start. And I've just really seen some interesting friendships with people grow because I've been willing to talk to people, and it's been really cool. Awesome. So maybe what, you've, what you're noticing is a trend here is neither one of these students are like, I had this like 10-step program that I'm like ready to implement for like maximum, maximum efficiency on how to disciple people in my school. Now, like what they are doing is shifting their perspective on how they see the places that they already are, um, the places they already have influence, the places that they spend a lot of time in the relationships that they have there. And I think that, that it can feel like a lesser thing, but I actually feel like it's probably the most important thing. What, what we've seen over the last few years, and they're going to talk about it a little bit, is not an embracing of some kind of new strategy. It's, a, it's an inward transformation that the Holy Spirit has been doing in their lives that's made them look at people different, look at settings different, um, and then their actions are following suit. Um, their, their obedience to what Jesus says is following suit. And so I think, that's, I think that is highly, highly important for us to recognize that this is, this is not coming from an outside place. I mean, it's coming from God, but not like an outside idea. This is, this is an inward transformation that God's doing in them that, that then leads to some very significant action and changes in their lives. And so that kind of leads us to like the next question, guys, is you both have been Christians for a long time. Like, both of these guys are, like, church rat-type people. They've been around forever, and they've been to everything. There's never been a time, at least in my experience, where they're like, I am totally rebelling against God, and they've come around on it. Like, I have seen a steady progression of growth in both of these students' lives, as far as I can tell. I don't know. Maybe they have a secret life that I know nothing about. But as far as I can tell. But something significant has changed in the last year, maybe two years, in their hearts and in their lives. And so I kind of wanted to ask you guys, like, what have been some of those significant moments that God has used and how has he used them uh, to kind of turn your heart or soften your heart toward uh, this, this kind of new way of looking at people and looking at the places that you are? I think the new realizations, um, the changing perspective really puts it perfectly for me. Um, about a year ago, um, we started these series in youth group um, on knowing God, uh, who he is, his commands of us, um, and then another series on just obeying him, uh, what it means to follow him with everything. Um, so over time, I began to realize the importance of discipleship um, in my life, um, even if I didn't know what it looked like. Um, I knew it was important to me. Um, and God uh, began to develop that into a passion of mine, um, into something I wanted to pursue more wholly um, with my entire life. Um, at Vertigo, our summer camp, uh, during the beginning of summer, uh, we had a breakout group of high schoolers. Um, the topic was the Christian environments in our high schools. Um, and me and one other friend of mine um, were in the same breakout. Um, we both go to Grigori, 
And we were like, we don't really know much Christians. We don't, um, we don't even have a Christian club. What are some ways that we could um, just start discipling people there? Um, and for us, that meant starting a club. Uh, it was most practical. It was something we were both able to do, um, but also discipling friends at school was something we were also both able to do. Um, so the rest of the summer uh, was really just dominated by the thought um, that if God is who we believe he is, um, and if I believe uh, the commands he's given me um, are important, then how could I not pursue this? How could I not pursue it with everything? How could I not start a club, disciple my friends? Um, and that really began to shape my mindset, gave me a changed perspective on school, not, not just a place I go five days a week, um, but ministry. Um, and I'm still learning. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, I connected the dots between uh, what discipleship is in a discipline, um, very similar uh, root words. Um, other disciplines might include uh, sports or martial arts, uh, dieting, scheduling. Um, a lot of these things, or all the uh, disciplines, they don't come naturally to us, um, but they're good for our health. Um, and discipleship specifically, specifically is good for our spiritual health um, and also uh, our relational health in other ways in our lives. Um, but I think the, the aspect that sets apart discipleship um, from other disciplines is it's not actually about us. Um, a lot of people follow disciplines um, because it's good, um, good for the health. It's good to wake up early. It's good to count your calories. Um, but this is about servitude and love towards God, um, a Lord and a Savior um, that loves us so deeply. Um, and also, another thing is knowledge is essential to every discipline, um, but that's not what defines it. Um, this applies to this one as well. Um, obedience and action to God is what defines our discipleship. Um, without it, without action and obedience, um, our knowledge doesn't amount to anything. Um, so if we're not willing to step out, um, be bold, um, then we're not actually in discipleship. Um, coming to church, um, listening to the word is amazing, and it's very essential to discipling people. Um, but without taking the next steps, um, it doesn't really amount to anything. I think that's like a huge, huge point for us to sit on for a second and think about. And with no condemnation and no shame, because we've all probably succeeded in this area at times and all failed in this area at times. But it, especially in this part of the world in which we live and, and maybe just like how things have been set up just organizationally, it can be really easy to think like I'm amassing more and more understanding of the Bible and of who Jesus is and of how to live like a good life. But I know, I'll at least say it for me, it can be really easy then to like stop that process when it starts to cost me like action, starts to cost me energy, starts to cost me risk or comfort, um, and think, hey, I've, I've amassed enough, I don't really need to pour it out. And I love, I love the uh, illustration that you kind of used of discipline. I'm not, I don't know much about counting calories, to be quite honest, but I get, I get the metaphor that, you know, you can, you can track every piece of garbage food you put into your body, but you're not going to change unless you stop putting garbage food in your body, right? And so in the same kind of way, like, I, I feel like some of us we're very, very full of lots of good pieces of information, but it's time to start giving that out to other people. It's time, time to start getting going. And that can look really different for each and every one of us, but I think that, that the command is the same. I know Dylan has some stuff to say about that later. Um, Joanna, uh, what have been some like moments where God has kind of revealed his heart and what he wants you to do uh, over the last couple of years? Um, I, for a long time, was just like, 
discipleship and talking to people about Jesus. That's for, that's for the other people. That's for the people who are older than me. That's for the people who are in a different stage of life than me. Like, I'm not ready for that. And um, just last year, I got ready to go on a missions trip. And I was really excited because I was like, here's my opportunity. This is where I can take all of those things that I've been learning and like put them into practice. And we went in July and it was one of the best like experiences that I've had. It was like really eye-opening to see um, other people and how they experience God. I learned a lot about myself. I was able to really step out of my comfort zone and pray for people and worship and minister to people. And I came back from that and I was like, all right, when's the next missions trip? When's the next like place that I can go to do this again? And God just really clearly told me like, that's not just for other places, that's for in your life right now. And even though that means talking to people, means talking to the same people all the time, which is a lot scarier than going and praying for someone that you're never gonna meet again. Um, but it can be a lot more rewarding because you can watch them grow and see them make progress. And um, one of the verses that I was looking up as I was getting ready for this is Isaiah 42, six. I am the Lord. I have called you for a righteous purpose and I will hold you by your hand. I will watch over you and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations. And so that's just been something that, I've trying, that I'm trying to be at MJC is that light to the people who are in darkness. I love it. That's like, I'll just be honest, that like pumps me up so much because we take these trips and they're awesome. I'll, I'll be the first to say, they're some of the best things that we could invest our time and energy into. Um, but for that reason, that we, it's, I want there to be more and I think that it's happening. But there are students who come back from those experiences saying, there is zero different between when I'm living super on purpose, on mission, if you will, in a different place or on a different day, like on a Monday night or with a different set of people. There's zero difference between that and the places where I actually have a lot of influence and I actually have a lot of time to invest. Um, and that is just really, really exciting. I think it can be very easy for me anyway to really want conditions to be perfect before I step in and I lay it all on the line. Or I, I really wanna make sure that I know enough to be able to do that. I just think it's important for us to know because we have the spirit living in us, conditions don't have to be perfect. In fact, I think you can make an argument biblically that the worst conditions are actually the most ripe conditions for the spirit to move. And if we have the spirit living in us, we have all the information we need to be able to introduce somebody else to him because he's the one lead, leading us. He's the one running the show. And so it's so, so exciting to hear. And I'm really grateful that, you know, in our, in our church family, there's been opportunities uh, for both of these students and for all of us to be able to take those continued steps forward. I think the key in both of their stories, though, is they were willing to follow up what God said with a step of action. They were following up what God put on their heart or in their life with obedience, which is, I think, uh, such, such a necessary part of this maybe that we've missed sometimes. But stepping into obedience has a lot of effects in our life and in the world around us. So what would you guys say are uh, some effects on your relationship with God, relationship with others, that stepping out in obedience in this way is actually done? Because living on purpose for Jesus, it kicks back a lot of awesome things to us. That's not why we do it, but I've never seen students more alive than when they're living with a bunch of intention. 
Um, and I know that's to be true in my life as well. So what have been some results in your guys' relationship with God and others as a result of this obedience? I've definitely been brought closer to God. Um, I'm eager to go for him, to him uh, for guidance, um, for movement, um, just to see him move in my life. Um, I ask that of him. Uh, sometimes it's frustration. Um, God, why am I not seeing this? I'm expecting to see this, but I'm not. Um, why is that? Can you do that? Um, with that comes more prayer, um, more time in the Word, uh, more intentional prayer or worship. Um, I think pursuing discipleship um, is both spurred by these things, but also compels us to be in them more often. Um, and to be honest, I'm not, um, not much has changed um, in my role with unbelievers. Um, I, I would like to say it's not God's timing, um, but also part of it is probably because I'm not bold enough. Um, I haven't given everything over to God. Um, it's something I believe we're all working towards um, and will forever be working towards. Um, but I'm excited to see um, the ways God does move um, when I'm obedient to him. Um, then additionally, I'm drawn closer, much closer to a lot of Christian uh, believers who are also involved in discipleship roles. Um, I'm part of several uh, groups, discipleship groups who meet um, at least once a week to um, just talk about what's happening in their roles, um, to talk about um, just the way God moved, um, the way he hasn't. Um, and we pray for each other. We encourage each other. Um, we keep each other accountable to that. Um, and I think that's been one of the greatest things for me. Um, it's certainly a great gift from God, um, just the ability to have uh, that family, that body of believers, um, all working towards the same goal um, and ultimately, ultimately pushing me to um, pursue God um, just as I can do for them. Awesome. Joanna, you got some that you'd like to share? Uh, so when Kyle first asked me about this, doing this like a month ago, I just felt like I was in this place of spiritual wilderness where I was trying to do all these things, but I wasn't seeing like any results. And that was frustrating. And also I felt like I can't come up here if I don't have like something that God has been doing. And um, that just uh, pushed me to be more intentional and like take more time to pray and ask God like, hey, how, how can I be the light to these people? Like, where are you gonna interrupt my day? Where are you going to use me? And so um, last Tuesday I was taking a math test and I got in there a little bit early because I like to be in there early and have all my stuff set up so I don't have to worry about that. And two of the people that I've um, gotten to know in the class, they were both running a little bit late. They came in and they were talking just a lot about how they had all this anxiety and stress and frustration and that they didn't feel like they were ready. And I was able to, um, I heard God really clearly say, like, you need to go pray for them. And I was like, all right, I'm going to, yeah, I'll pray for them in my seat right here in my head. Um, like, that's, that's good enough, right? You're still going to hear it. It'll still, be, it'll still be powerful, right? And he was like, no, you're going to go up to them, and you're going to ask if you can pray for them, and you're going to do that. And so I went back and forth on that for a couple minutes. And I did it. I went up there. I asked them if I could pray for them. They said yes. I laid hands on them and prayed for them in front of a class of people who was, I felt them all staring at me like, what is this person doing? 
But um, after that, I just felt really confident about the test. I just prayed that he would lift all of our anxiety and worry and that we would be able to just remember what we've learned and apply it. And he, he did for me. And uh, I got to talk to them on Thursday and both of them said that like that was the best grade that they had gotten in a test and that they had felt like a lot more calm about it afterwards. And I was like, all right, God, that was, that was definitely worth it. And it opened up a couple more conversations with one of them. And so that was really cool. It's awesome. God works through mysterious ways, like good test scores, you know? No, but I do think like that's an awesome story. And it's exciting to even see how that progressed since we started talking. We met earlier this week to kind of talk through what we were going to say, and that was only like partially in, in motion. But, what I, but I, what, what I think we need to recognize from both these guys, what they've been sharing, is there is an emphasis not on results from either of their approach to this. There's an emphasis on being faithful to what God has asked them to do. And that is a big that is a big distinction that I think we have to be, like, yes, we want people to come to know Jesus. We want, we want results. Absolutely we do. But what we need to commit ourselves to first and foremost is like faithfulness and obedience to what God has asked us to do and let him be the one who brings about the results. And I love, I, I don't even exactly know how to say it, but I love in these guys and also like a lot of people kind of in their similar age range, they are really okay with sitting in the tension of, I have failed a bunch of times in this process, but I am not going to let that turn to shame and bury me. Instead, I'm going to recognize how I've failed. Like Dylan said it, he's like, I know some of this is because I haven't been as bold as I need to be. He can recognize that, but he's not buried in a hole somewhere, like beating himself up. He's like, and I know that God can do it, and I'm going to continue to, to pursue faithfulness. And I think that is, like, such a valuable characteristic for us to grab hold of, just to recognize, like, I have failed in this, but Jesus says, okay, let's get up and let's keep going. And uh, I think if we are going to pursue real disciple-making, like, in the world around us, we got to hold that so dearly, not let it offend our uh, effectiveness or offend our uh, worthiness or something like that, but... Instead, just recognize it and then recognize just how good God is to keep, to keep going. I love getting to hear that stuff. And so this road that you guys have been walking uh, has been, has, had some victories, had some failures, but a question I think that would be beneficial for all of us is like, how do you, how do you, then how do you keep yourself committed to what you know God has said to you uh, in these different environments? How do you keep going even when it's hard or when it seems to be going really great? I think one of the greatest victories um, that's kept me going um, is being in a discipleship group. Um, I get to rejoice with other people. Um, I'm encouraged by uh, hearing what they've said, um, what they say is happening in their lives. Uh, because even when I don't see movement in my life, even when I'm disobedient, I see um, others in my, my church family, in the body of Christ, um, stepping into obedience um, and seeing fruit in their lives. Um, just another small moment, a girl in our club uh, came in. Uh, she was the only Christian in her family. Um, she would go to another church on Sundays, um, but she felt that she lacked uh, like community, um, a sense of family, a sense of a church body. Um, and I was like, you could come to Crosspoint Youth Group. Um, it's great there, I love it. Um, it's such a great place to be in community and fellowship with one another. Um, and she came um, and she found that, that place of community. Um, 
So that's just, it seems so small, uh, a girl coming to youth group, um, but it's so significant in God's kingdom. Uh, someone finding a family in a body they can relate to, that they can be encouraged and learn with. Um, and then probably one of the greatest challenges is trusting God even when we don't see um, him move in our lives. Um, that's one of the great things about the groups is even when we don't see it, um, we know it's happening. Um, and I'd also like to say um, the Bible is broad about discipleship, but it's not ambiguous. Um, it doesn't lay out how to disciple people at work or in school in our families, um, but it does call us to be people um, defined by love and humility and peace. Um, it's given us so many examples. Uh, God's given us a word with so many examples of Jesus and his apostles discipling people. Um, and I would say just in that broadness, um, just say yes to what God has called you to. Um, besides discipleship, this might include prayer and fasting and fellowship, uh, reading the word and worship. Um, I believe that when we do these things, discipleship will follow um, if we are being intentional with them. Um, also, because it's broad, just be practical. Um, for me, that meant starting a club and discipling people at school. Um, for you, that might be going the same place um, once a week, uh, the grocery store or coffee place um, at the same time every week, um, and getting to know people, the regulars. Um, it might be work, your families. Um, so I'll say just in that broadness, be practical and commit to the things that God has uh, called us to do. Now, love, there's just this real distinction there. It's, it's what God is telling us to do, right? Dylan's not saying, here's how you go, like, make disciples, and no one who stands or sits on this stage really should be telling you exactly what to do because they said to do it. What I think we really want is, is this encouragement to know the voice of God enough to be able to hear him when he says, hey, go do this. And what's beautiful is, in a lot of ways, it's kind of individual. You have different places, and you have different levels of influence. But what Dylan said is one of the things that keeps him going is recognizing I'm not, I'm not the only one doing it. There's a bunch of people in my community and in my church family who are all going after the same thing in different ways. I, that, that is a big statement that we should definitely let sink deep, that when Scripture talks about discipleship, going out and making disciples, drawing people into relation, well, inter, reflecting Jesus well enough that people step into relationship with him and then obey everything that he says, uh, that is a broad, there's a lot of broad examples, but it is not ambiguous in its command, in God's command of it. And that's a big, big statement uh, that I think we should sit on and chew on for sure. Joanna? Um, I think a big part of it is just knowing what you believe and coming back to that every time because I've had a lot of experiences recently with people who think very differently than I do and they try really hard to convince you that their way, the world's way, is the right way, that what they believe is what is true. And if you don't have a solid foundation to come back to, it gets really, really exhausting to continually both defend to them and yourself that, no, what I believe is the truth, what I believe is God's word, is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so just having that solid foundation and also recognizing that like everyone around you needs Jesus as much as you do. And so if you are not, um, if you feel frustrated in your discipling, just like know that everyone else belongs to God as much as you do and just continue to push to get them to have a relationship with him because that's the most important thing. 
like it when you when you're talking it, what it sounds like to me you're pushing towards just like a softness of your heart to the voice of God but also like how he sees the world I think it's so easy for me to turn off my compassion and care for people which then makes me not want to act like I care about them um, when I stop looking at them the way that God looks at them um, so that's just that softness of heart like long term not just when you're a kid when you're like as old as you can get your heart's still soft toward the things of God and the way that he sees people. I think that's huge. I'd like to throw in there, um, just love as one of the greatest components of discipleship. Um, just love for God um, spurs us into obedience, love for each other, um, like Joanna said, um, leads us to fulfillment of the great commissioning. Um, I think God manifests his love and discipleship, um, seeking out the one um, through us, um, using us because he loves us, but also seeking out the lost. Um, I'd like to read from John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. Um, to, to reference last week, Travis spoke on uh, God's giftings to the church, uh, the prophets, the apostles, evangelists, teachers, and the pastors. Um, I was at a retreat last weekend where we focus on these things, uh, what it means for our lives, um, how to take advantage of them, what are our weaknesses in them? Um, and I think these roles are definitely essential to the functioning of a church um, in order to support itself, but also to go and make disciples. Um, but I think without love and compassion, like you talked about, without that softened heart, um, I think these giftings are actually an infection to the church. Um, people appear in- ignorant um, and uh, just selfish and prideful. Um, people will turn away from them um, instead of being brought near people will see um, just the bad qualities of the church, as I think a lot of people see nowadays. Um, a lot of people are pushed away from God because they have a negative perspective on the church. Um, so if we truly pursue love um, and take advantage of these gifts that Travis talked about, um, I think God will move um, very significantly in our roles of discipleship. Absolutely. And it has, to, it has to all be built on that love, that love for God and for each other that we only can even begin to wrap our heads around because of the love that he's shown to us. And uh, that's, that's foundational, absolutely. And so now would be, uh, it would feel nice for now to be the time where we're like, and we'd like to unveil our comprehensive discipleship program that you can all jump in on. There's a sign up out in the, the park cafe area and you can go out there and sign up. Like that would feel like nice, right? Because then we have steps and you can sign up and all that stuff. But that's not what's happening here. Um, and I think that's actually probably for the best. Churches, ours included, we want to give as many on-ramps as possible. We want to encourage. We want to challenge. We want to give opportunity. And, and these guys have even mentioned some of the opportunities they've had. But I, I'm growing more and more convinced that what's way more potent than a church spending a bunch of time and effort and money putting on a bunch of things that kind of look like discipleship, instead a bunch of people who are the church, who know the voice of God, and are quick to obey him, look at their world and their relationships and their influence and say, I'm going after this, whether the whole church is behind me or not. Um, I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing that actually will bring about a lot of the work that we hope will happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that means, I think, for us as a church, there's people in this room who are doing this already, and you're doing it awesome. And then there's some of us maybe in this room who are like, man, I I hear that, and I think I want to be a part of that, but I don't even know where to start. And I think that the thing that we can start at this morning 
wherever you're at on this uh, sliding scale, uh, is recognizing what these guys ended with, is our hearts need to be soft to the voice of God. Our actions need to be quick in obedience to Him. And this all has to be motivated by real, life-changing, world-changing love. And so we want to give an opportunity to reflect on those things, to, to talk with Jesus and ask Jesus what he would have us do in the areas that we inhabit. And we cannot do it well if he hadn't done it first for us. And so as we enter into this time of reflection, what I'd like to do is draw our attention to the great love that Jesus modeled and poured out on us before we ever start thinking about how we can love each other and how we can love the world around us. And we have an excellent opportunity to do just that this morning through communion. And so uh, you may have grabbed one of these when you came in. Awesome. You can grab it now. If you haven't, there's some baskets at the back, and you're welcome to uh, to grab one as we, as we take communion together. But... Uh, all those years ago, Jesus sat around with his disciples, and he was like, hey, you have no idea what's coming, but this bread, you see how I've torn it into my body is about to be broken, just like this bread has been broken, and uh, I'm willing to do that to show my great, great love for you, that then you get to show to the whole world who's watching. So every time that you do it, every time you break bread, in this setting and in any setting, every time you do that, you do it and you remember me. Remember what I've done for you and also what I've in, I have invited you into. So let's remember his great love for us through the breaking of his body as we eat the bread this morning. Then he passed around the cup. See, he said, you see how this wine pours out of this cup? My blood is about to be poured out. And through my blood, you'll actually be made clean. You'll actually be healed. You can have a relationship with God. And every time that you drink, you remember what I've done for you out of my great love for you and that I've invited you in to show that love to the rest of the world. Let's remember that as we drink the cup this morning. So as we sing these next few songs together, um, let's just take a time to reflect. Let's ask him the hard questions. Let's be willing to listen to what he says. Um, but let's start by recognizing how incredibly much he loves us and what a strong platform that is to move forward out of this place and into the world in which we live. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done. We cannot do what you have asked us to do unless we first recognize just how incredibly blessed we are by you. Uh, we'll get it twisted. We'll get it messed up. We'll start to think it's on, it's on our own. So God, we want to just... Um, recognize our dependence on you before we even get going. But Jesus, after we do that, we do ask you to show us how you would have us step in. I'm so glad that you have not called us to just give our life to you, pray a prayer one time, and then sit in a seat for the rest of our life, but instead you've called us into something way crazier, way more wild, and way more meaningful. To be your representative to the world around us to help people come to know you so that they can go help other people come to know you as your message spreads into every little nook and cranny on this planet. God, we're so thankful for how you changed lives, how you've changed Dylan and Joanna's life, how you've changed my life, how you've changed so many people in this room. Lord, would you continue to change us? May we be open-handed. May we have soft hearts to what you speak to us in these next few moments. 
And then would we be quick to do the things that you've told us to do? Not out of obligation, because you are good and you can be trusted. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing. In your awesome name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint. Thank you.